This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm. I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic back him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get to reset this soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Did I just do the whole intro without anyone hearing? I sent you a message on like eight different <laughs> platforms. I was like, it's there's alive. no way he knows. <laughs> did, was I on mute or did you hear me? No, no one could hear you or see you and I couldn't see any of this. So. Do we just want to start the show over again? No, 9.30 Eastern time. Woo! <laughs> we were late anyway. Carter's over here behind me. All right. I'm going to act like none of that happened. It's 9.30 Eastern time in the most mature U.S. time zone. That means it's time for the debate debate brought to you by CampusDecan.com. That's Brian Chacoaches filling in for Matt Bruning, who's on vacation. That's Austin Nason. I'm Felix Sharp. On a wicked version of tonight's show, the pivotal games to look forward to in the approaching college football season. How would the 2020 playoffs have turned out under the newly proposed playoff expansion format? And we get back to... The 20, we get back to 2021 breakout candidates, but we start with reports surfacing today that Arizona State is under investigation for potential recruiting violations by the program's coaches. Austin ASU has a few Debbie and C2C prospects that are highly regarded. We just need to throw out the fact that the show is like already just it's just is just going crazy because Bruning is not here. Let's just acknowledge it, let's just bask in it, let's not let's not hide from it. Um, Austin, talk to me about ASU and, uh, and what's going on with them. Yeah. Bruning is really the, the real MVP here behind the scenes. Um, so yeah, I mean, ASU, 
Um, uh, I I don't even I don't want to call this like a hard hitting story. A story came out today uh, detailing there are potential recruiting violations that took place during this dead period that the NCAA um, put in place this past year due to COVID. Um, there. It was an anonymous report sent to the uh, the NCAA that that just detailed, you know, text messages, you know, kids being on campus when they weren't supposed to, all sorts of different stuff. Um, I'm not particularly sure it is a big deal, although I will say it's interesting. There's an article on the Athletic about it in which a former ASU staffer is quoted as calling it, uh, calling or saying that there is a rogue culture. Uh, building at the program and that the program itself is currently built on a house of cards. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, some sour grapes there from a former employee or not. Um, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe Herm's letting things run a little loose behind the scenes that he shouldn't be. Um, but regardless, I mean, there's a lot of players here that we're worried about, you know, if, if a bunch of guys start transferring with this new rule, right guys. Um. So, I, I mean, just to go into more specifics about what's going on, according to Pete Tamil with Yahoo Sports, that rogue culture is being led by Antonio Pierce, former New York, New York uh, Giants linebacker who's coached high school football in California. He's very aggressive in recruiting. And part of some of the things that they were doing were these like t- having visits with recruits during the dead period. And these re- these visits would start at nine in 10 p.m. at night, and they would do, you know, everything, uh, everything that you would do during during a normal visit, just under the uh, uh, under the cover of, of darkness. Um, and some of the coaches, assistant coaches, were frustrated with Pierce, given that he's essentially violating NCAA rules during the during the dead period. And and, and it sounds like Pierce is the while Herm Edwards was complicit. Pierce is kind of Pierce is the one who was the ringleader. So, um, Shaq, what do you think is going to happen with these with 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 this school? I mean, I don't know. It's I I think there's more. It sounds like there's a little something to this. I mean, in the athletic story that I was reading, I I didn't see the Yahoo one, but in the athletic story, they were talking about uh, you know, they had a a recruit. They were hiding recruits in a in a suite. They're in a home game. Um, they had they had uh. Some of the assistant coaches were like shuffling them up, like backstairs, to meet with Herm Edwards and stuff. Uh, you know, shake hands with Herm Edwards and all this. And like one of the, you know, this particular recruit they're talking about ended up committing and, and signing with Arizona State. I mean, if you were if you were in a recruiting battle, gunning for that kid, that was a pretty big advantage that they got right there. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I and think David it's, Shaw it's came out and said. Yeah, David Shaw came out and said how disrespectful it was for uh, them to be holding these visits uh, during that dead dead period. But Stanford seems like the school that would absolutely fall, follow all the rules and make sure that the I's were dotted and T's were crossed. I think that I think they make a good point at the end of the story. It's a particularly bad look for Arizona State when so many of them had COVID nineteen. You know what I mean? Herm Edwards ended up with COVID-19. Like, they lost so much of their season due to mm-hmm. COVID-19, and they're still flaunting the rules and getting these recruits in. I mean, it's uh, – yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't I don't know what's going to happen as a result, yeah, but, I, you know. 
I have not seen any talk about potential penalties, but obviously they could ultimately have scholarships taken away from them. I, I mean, I don't even know how to evaluate whether or not, whether or not that's going to happen. All right, let's move on. Um, playoff expansion. This came down uh, sometime last week, and we didn't get to talk about it on last week's show. It is, from what I'm reading, the automatic bids for the six highest-ranked conference champions, and that's that means that we're going to have a group of five, at least one group of five conference champion um, uh, get a, a, a playoff, a playoff bid. Uh, and then six at large teams after, after that. So in the four to top four conference champions getting, getting um, by weeks. So if you looked at the 2020, now, if you looked at the 2020 uh, college football rankings, it looks like the, Seeding would have been Alabama number one, Clemson number two, Ohio State number three, Oklahoma number four, Cincinnati five, and the the sixth highest ranked conference champion was actually Coastal Carolina. Uh, Oregon won the Pac-12, but they had the truncated season. They were ranked number twenty-five at the end. So at least in this scenario, you would have had two group of five conference champions getting into the playoff. Followed by Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Florida, Georgia, Iowa State, and Indiana. Austin, it looks to me that that um, first round game with those top four getting buys at five twelve, we have Cincinnati, Indiana. Um, who do you, who would you take in that game in in twenty in twenty twenty? It would have had to uh, Cincinnati. I mean, they gave Georgia all they could handle um, in there. What Sugar Bowl game that they played against each other? Um, a really good defense. I mean, I think it would have been a good game, um, but I, I think I would take Cincinnati there, weirdly. If you had a healthy Michael Penix, I would give Indiana a chance. Indiana almost upset Ohio State last year and did up, upset Penn State. Um, Shaq, Coastal Carolina at six in Iowa State uh, would have been another first-round game. Who would you take out of those two? Iowa State obviously being upset. Um, by Louisiana early in the season, but then you know, kind of finishing strong under Matt Campbell. Who would you who would you take out of the upstart Coastal Carolina and Iowa State? Well, can I just spin it on you for a second and say who would I take? I would take all these games, right? I love this expanded playoff, so I would take all these games. Okay, now who would I take to win? I would probably. Uh, expect Iowa State to pull that off. I mean, as bad as Brock Purdy looked last year. They finished nine and three. You know what I mean. They beat Oklahoma. It was early in the year, um, and they but they still hung tough uh, in the Big Twelve championship. So, uh, yeah, I think Iowa State probably has just a little bit, a uh, little bit too much firepower for Coastal Carolina. Although the uh, Chanticleers are uh, are an up and coming program, and I uh, respect a lot of what they did last year. But if they were there, I would expect the Cyclones to pull that off. We got a blue blood matchup here in at seven and ten. That would have been Notre Dame and Georgia. Um, you know, I, I think I'm taking Georgia on that one all, all the way, even though they didn't. They kind of barely eked out a win against Cincinnati in their bowl game. And then finally, Austin, um, uh, Texas A&M in, in Florida. I mean, I'm, I'm imagining in 2020 we're going with Florida to move on there. Uh, they played during the regular season, didn't they? So that's one where they might they might have like fudged the rankings so that we did not get a repeat matchup because Texas A&M beat Florida in the regular season by a field goal. 
I'm not, I don't know if that would have been, a, that would be the exact result or not. I mean, two very close teams, but you got to figure um, they, they, they might've done a little bit of, you know, maneuvering so that that did not take place. Plus two right. SEC schools playing against each other. I don't think they would have necessarily wanted that either. All right. I'm going to try to continue from, to recover from, uh, you know, messing up the, the opening. I just thought that we automatically got added in. So I just started talking when the, that's what I always do. I just start I, talking when the music stops. I knew that was happening, and literally, as the the music was playing, I tweeted out. Did you Did you see my tweet? I <laughs> no, said I that Felix is, Felix is driving tonight, which is a bit like getting in an eighteen wheeler with a ten year old driving. I'm just well, I'm closing gonna... my eyes and gripping on, and then literally that happened. And I was like, "Well, it's like, like it's like getting into so. a car accident, pulling out of the driveway to start the show." So, um, all right, <laughs> all right. Um, from hypothetical games in 2022, real games in 2021, uh, we're T minus 74 days until the college football season is set to begin. So we wanted to talk a little bit about the games that we are look, most looking forward to in this upcoming season and the games that could really have an impact on the college football landscape. Shaq, why don't you start with one of yours that, uh, that you're most looking forward to for this upcoming season? Uh, one of the teams that we just talked briefly about there, I think Cincinnati has a real window. It's actually two games for me. Uh, I think they have a huge window uh, going. They, they, they're on the road early in the season at Indiana, then they have a bye week, and then they're at Notre Dame. Right? I mean, they have so many uh, so many players back for them. Uh, they got the super seniors uh, and, and just uh, plenty of talent returning. If they're going to take a step forward and rep for the G5 the way they want to, those are the two games that I think are going to say whether they are uh, ready to arrive and ready, ready to you know eat at the big boys' table or not. So I think it's two good teams on the road. You got to be able to grind those out at some point. Uh, they're not you know juggernauts in the end. I mean Notre Dame's got a lot of work to to replace some va- you know vacated talent. Uh, Ian Book's gone, and and they got they got candidates to to jump in there, but. There's uh there's an opportunity there for them, and I think those are two really big weeks right there uh, for Cincinnati, and it could it could make a huge step forward for them if they can if they can go two and zero out of those out of out of that stretch. That's going to be a huge statement for them and for the G five. Conversely, that might be Notre Dame's toughest game next year. Mm-hmm. If you look at their schedule, I mean, I don't know what everybody thinks of USC going into next year, and then Wisconsin and UNC are really the only other teams that. I think are going to give them a challenge next year, right? I mean, I don't know how good Notre Dame is going to be, but you know, in terms of teams that that we expect to be good, I don't, I don't see. I mean, Florida State's down right now. Virginia Tech's not very good. Navy, Georgia Tech, Stanford, Virginia. Like, there's really not a lot else there. That might be Notre Dame's toughest game. If they lose that game, I think they have a hard time getting into the playoff because there's no other marquee win there that I see really, at least not right now. I mean, you know, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, you know, has made a lot of noise about what they deserve and, and, and they deserve, you know, a seat at the table and so forth. Hanging with Georgia in the Peach Bowl was nice. That was a nice – it was nice for them. But that's – it's it's time to scrap the moral victories. And, I, and I know, I'm sure they'd tell you they don't want a moral victory, but it's time to get it done then because that schedule had nobody like Georgia on it last year until Georgia. And you hung with them, but you lost. So it's time to start winning some of these suckers. 
It seems like for the Power Five teams, it's a huge changing of the guard season where there's not a lot of, I mean, just look across the landscape, there's not a lot of uh, returning skill position players, the players that we care about, a lot of new people in different places. And But for the G5 teams, there's a lot of those players starting. You look at Cincinnati, you look at Louisiana, um, you look at Coastal Carolina, they've got a lot of, of people returning Liberty. for their teams. There you go. Um, so Super seniors. Some, yes. Super seniors. Yes, yes. Six, six year seniors. Mm-hmm. Or in, in Demetrius Robinson's case, uh, seventh year. So, um, uh, Austin, what do you got for pivotal, pivotal games next year? I mean, I put three down. I think there, there's a lot of um, uh, Georgia Clemson's the very obvious one. So, I'm not going to go into that too much. But I think it, it's a, probably a bigger deal for Georgia because I think if Georgia loses, they can't afford to lose another game there. And they have a tougher run with the SEC than Clemson probably does through the ACC. Um, and I know Oregon, mm-hmm. Ohio State's at the beginning, but I actually want to highlight Auburn at Penn State which is a weird matchup, not one that you'd usually think about uh, hearing in terms of non-conference, but it seems like the playoff has, I don't want to say emboldened, but kind of forced teams to maybe pick up a, a tough non-conference game here or there that they maybe would not have previously. So you get matchups like this one and like Oregon, Ohio State. Uh, but Auburn and PSU, they're both probably dark horse candidates. I mean, the Big Ten is, it, it's a vulnerable, I, Ohio State is vulnerable this year. Mm-hmm. You know, lose their starting quarterback, lose their running back, um, you know, a little bit of shakeup on the line. We don't know exactly what their defense is going to look like. I think that's a vulnerable team. I'm not saying they're going to be bad, but they're not, you know, the, you think of Ohio State or like Bama's the same way this year. You know, they're not what they've been the past couple of years, in my opinion. So I think a team like Penn State, if they beat Auburn and can string together some wins, that is a dark horse team to win the Big Ten. So, I mean, I, I think that is a really key game. And Penn State's biggest issue last year was their offense. New offensive coordinator, Mike Yurkic. I think Sean Clifford's going to be better. I don't think he's going to be, like, you know, uh, All-American or anything, but I think he's going to be better. They have some weapons there. You know, they get Noah Kane back. They have a whole stable of running backs. They've got Parker Washington, Jahan Dotson. They really only lose Pat Fryermuth from that offense in terms of skill guys. I think they're a moderately dangerous team, which hurts me to say because I'm a Pitt fan and I hate Penn State. But I think if they win that game, they are well positioned to do something uh, during the year. That's a tough stretch for them to open the season, really, because they start with, with, with they start with Wisconsin, and then they then they got Ball State, which is they they're coming off a seven and one year. They bring everyone back too. Yeah, Cl- you Cl- know, Cl- back, Hall's back. Yeah, you know, Tyler. Yeah, and then they got Auburn on top of it. So by September eighteenth, man, they've gone through a ringer. If they win those three games, though, they're a top ten team at that point. I think for sure. So yeah, and just adding, I mean, Lonnie White is coming to Penn State, and then Theo Johnson, the ultra athletic tight end, is set to take over there for um, for Pat Firemuth. Austin, is there? I mean, uh, Penn State has a legacy at running back, and it seems like that it's not clear who is going to be the next up there. Is it Noah Kane? Is it Kevon Lee? Is it somebody else? I think it's Kane. I think they intended for Kane to be the guy last year, and then he got hurt like three snaps into the year. I think Kane has gets every opportunity to take over that backfield. They might rotate him a little bit. Um, I don't. I don't love, and like, there is no Saquon there. There is no Journey Brown there. There is no, there. There is no back on the roster right now that is that level. Um, but there are a lot of solid ones, you know. So I think you know whatever they they might 
the problem with like what what uh, Shaq just said, you know, the first three games, they're not going to get to experiment a lot with that. You know, you're not going right. to get to, you know, mess around with you know, Kevon Lee or uh, your Devin Ford or, you know, you kind of got to put the team out there you think is the best and try to go with it. But, but I think if they figure out what works there quickly, then I, that, uh, it could be a dangerous offense. All right. Well, I think I picked – I got three games that I'm really looking forward to. The first one in week one is Louisiana at Texas. We saw how Louisiana opened the season last year at uh, Iowa State. I mean, the country was waiting for college football to start. We didn't know if it was going to start. And that Louisiana at Iowa State game was one of, one of the earliest primetime games. And, and Louisiana went to Iowa State and took care of business. Well, they're going to Texas – uh, this year in Texas, obviously, starting with a new head coach, they're going to have a, a, a new quarterback, either Casey Thompson or, or Hudson Card. I think it's going to be Thompson. That's a game that I'm really looking forward to. And I talked about G5 teams having a lot of returning starters. Last time I counted, I think Louisiana has nine returning starters, including four of their offensive linemen, their uh, two wide receivers, and their quarterback, Levi Lewis. And uh, that's a team that can really run the ball as a very balanced offense. And Chris Smith, who I've talked about a bunch, is a is 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 a, a, a lightning strike. He's going to have big plays, and I'm really interested to see him in Week One. I'm really interested to see Troy O'Meary in Week One, and who wins that Texas quarterback battle. Number two is um, Week Five, Ole Miss at Alabama. Last year, Bama gave up 48 points. Uh, to Ole Miss, and we know that Lane Qu- Lane Kiffin wants to beat his mentor. And then at that point, we're really going to see the growth uh, uh, or or lack thereof for Matt Corral. I think Matt Corral is a potential first round quarterback coming out of that system, and, but he has a problem with turnovers, and it's going to be interesting to see how he plays against um, Alabama. And then lastly. We mentioned you, Austin. You said that Ohio State was vulnerable. I I agree with you, and I'm looking forward to um, Ohio State traveling to Indiana this year. That game is in Indiana, and um, uh, Indiana is one of six schools with at least four players who rank in the top ten at their respective positions, according to fo- uh, Pro Football Focus. With the others being Alabama. Uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, and LSU. That's from Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier, and those four are Michael Penix Jr., Ty Fogel, linebacker Micah McFadden, and quarterback Taiwan Mullen. Um, that's a team that plays inspired football despite not having the recruits, and I just I, – I really like that team. I really like that team with Michael Penix Jr. being healthy, and I'm still – I'm looking for them to build on the season that they had last year after beating Penn State in the opener, after not beating them since, I believe, the 1980s, and then almost pulling the upset on Ohio State. So those are the games that I'm most looking forward to. All right. Um, Since we got the man Shaq on the show, we got to talk to him about kind of the explosion of campus to Canton. He likes to deflect this attention and this praise, but (laughs) Shaq is the one that is responsible for, at least in my opinion, how popular the format has gotten um, by bringing together, you know, influencers in the Debbie and fantasy football space into these leagues. And it just, you know, 
exploding from there. Shaq, how did you catch on to it, and why did you gravitate towards the format? Well, the way I caught on to it, I just kind of came across a league years back, and and uh, I don't even remember exactly how the interaction started, but uh, it just sounded like the craziest idea I ever heard for a league. And so my first C2C was uh, a C2C all the way, like full IDP everything. And so that was a hell of a way to jump in the water, you know. Uh, and once I did it, man, and, you know, I get anyone who says, uh, that, you know, I have any responsibility for anything. It's just I appreciate that. That's very nice to say. All I am, bro, is I'm just a loud mouth at the bar telling a fishing story you know what i mean like i tried this crazy ass league and i'm like dude you should have seen this whopper like you should have seen this league you know what i mean like it's not my idea it's not all all i am is a loud mouth who just wanted to tell everybody about the coolest fantasy football format out there and i just started trying to just get more people to try it you know it's kind of like when i went to uh when I uh, when I saw Pulp Fiction, I was in high school or right at the end of high school, I saw Pulp Fiction and it melted my brain, right? And literally, like everybody I I ran ran into, I'm like, dude, you see Pulp Fiction yet? They're like, no, nah, I haven't seen it. Like, let's go, we're going right now. I'll take you. Let's go. And I saw Pulp Fiction 13 times in a the movie theater. And I'm not <laughs> exaggerating, because it was just it was just it just changed me, man. Right? And so uh, I'm like, this is it. Like this is this is just so crazy. You gotta see this, and if you have it, you gotta go. Let's go right now. And it's like that for me, you know. As brilliant a piece of art as Pulp Fiction was to me as a movie, Campus to Canton is to me as a fantasy football format. I mean, it's just it gives you everything you need, right? What's better? I mean, if you love football, what's better than making it so much fun? on both Saturday and Sunday to uh, to sort of take the line from Alfred. Why wait till Sunday to have all that fun when you can have it on Saturday, right? Like, it's it's the future of Debbie. Because if I'm being honest, let's be real, right? Like, Debbie is like playing a game of just a tip. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, that's real, right? It is. And if you're playing the game of just a tip – you're really trying to play another game. Like, this is the game, bro. Like, play the game. A am I right? I mean, I feel like I'm right on that. So, for the We're record, Shaq, I, I, call, I call you the L. Ron Hubbard of Campus to Ken. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't want any part of that. No, thank you, sir. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> shout out, bro. Do you think your, uh, your coaching background has played into uh, – how much you enjoy like this really deep Debbie stuff and you know, obviously by, by extension C2C. Cause I mean, you're Definitely. like in the weeds with this stuff all the time. Love it. I love it. You know, cause I, I, I feel like uh, all the watching film to do coaching is uh, a, a great background for watching film on prospects, you know, like it, cause I'll, I'll try to watch from the perspective of, you know, when we're, when we're, uh, when we're watching film of, of our players, watching practice or, or things like that, like, oh, okay, I love what he's doing here. I can coach him up on this, right? Um, here's what he does well. Here's what we can improve. 
and then also when we're, when we're scouting opponents and watching film on opponents, you know, like this, this kid really does this well, we got to shut this down and we're going to have a problem with it, you know, like, so I think sort of, uh, I, I think the coaching background definitely helps watching the film on the prospects. So yeah, I, and, and I kind of, I don't know, I had to step away from coaching because of my wife's new job uh, a while back. And this is really kind of giving me that fix, I guess, really for lack of a better term. I mean, you've been watching it for a while. Do you, is it, is it, is it exploded? Like we see it's exploding and from your perspective, and do you think it's the future of fantasy football? I think it's a future of fantasy, of of fantasy football. Like, I feel like it's the future of Debbie to go back to my metaphor. And I'm not going to bring that up again, but it's, it's, it's the, the whole, like if once you've done this, you're not going back to, to Debbie, like, Debbie is – why would you not want to use those guys? You know what I mean? Like, if you can if you can use them uh, and have fun with them, why wouldn't you want to use them? So, uh, to me, yeah, it's the future of Debbie 100%. And I think they'll always be like uh, – you know, I think there's a niche element to it that's always going to be a niche element. Like, I get that. Like, there are going to be plenty of people who are too nervous to go jump all the way into Campus Canton. But I, I – haven't met anyone who didn't like it. Have you? <laughs> no. If you nope. just if you just have the if you just have the stones to jump in and give it a shot. Like I I was frankly overwhelmed when I first started doing it. Not only full college but IDP also, which is frankly not my wheelhouse. I'm gonna 100% just admit you that. But I'm like, hey, screw it, let's go, let's give it a shot. And loved it. Just loved it. So I'm telling you, if you try it, you're going to love it. Everyone should. And and shout out to you guys, man, because you giving me any credit is, like I said, I'm just a loud mouth at the bar. You guys are the ones who t- took the reins and are building this thing like crazy yourselves, man. You guys are off. You got the, you got the website. You guys just grind, man. I respect the hell out of your grind. You guys are always going, always cranking out content, material. Uh, look at the Discord. You got all these people on the Discord uh, rocking it out. Great community. I mean, you guys, you guys have really done just amazing things. So shout out to you guys, man. Forget well, about you. me. Thank you, <laughs> For real, we had though. to have you started. We had Still. to have you started. And I will say, my my first C two C was the same. I jumped in. I'd never played Devi before. It was mm. full IDP. Mm. I've never done an au- an auction startup. It was an <laughs> auction, and I was just like, "All right, here we go." Um, Rocket. So it's that's the way to do it. There's you yeah. know, it takes you a year, and then you mm-hmm. know all the names, yeah. and you're fine. So. Right. <clears throat> yeah, you get caught up fast, man. I have no idea how you guys. I have no idea how you guys manage all the teams that you manage because I'm amazed by that. That's another thing, but um, but it's a it's a blast, man. I I, I couldn't uh, – I basically have dropped out of like almost every other regular fantasy football at this point and just play campus to Canton because it's so much fun. Yeah. yeah, and I won't I won't join a league now that's not a campus to Canton league. Shaq, if you stick around with us, we'll handle some housekeeping stuff, and then we'll get some uh, breakout candidates for you. Is that all right? Got you, bro. 
All right, we've got the listener league. Um, they're still taking entries for that. Austin, are we giving away a spot uh, tonight for the listener league, or what's up? We're giving away a spot, and I will tell you what. Felix tried to say we're not giving away a spot tonight, and I said some things I'm not going to repeat on the air to him about. We are giving away a spot tonight or else. So our spot tonight is going to Jay Hegarty, who watches every single week, always comments, hangs around in the after show, asks us all sorts of questions. He's in the Discord. He's you know he's a member of the site. He He's emailed us a couple times here now because we've asked a couple of different questions for people to get back to us. So, Jay, you get the spot tonight. And just out, uh, the email that we picked out here <clears throat> that the, for your entry here, it says, to the exceptional Debbie debate team, which right away you had me. I've been checking the YouTube channel for some time now. And I have to say, with the knowledge, experience, and the outstanding information that uh, giving each week, I have gained uh, fantasy and dynasty knowledge over my leagues. Your show is worth the wait every Wednesday to get me over that hump each week. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm very picky in who I listen and watch, and I have to say you guys get right to the point and always have a nice flow throughout the show. The best part that everyone should know is the after show, which is true, and he's around every week for it. It has even more information, and it has a more personal feel to get to know the three of you. Everyone should be tuned in and subscribe to the YouTube channel and definitely give you guys a five-star rating. So thank you, Jay. Thank you very much. We know you're always out thank there. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. Yes. Thank yes. you, Jay. So uh, we're looking forward to, uh, to kicking your butt this year. So I think that's. I think we've given away six spots. I think so, yeah. So uh, we're going to 14. So get your emails in uh, for the Listener League. And um, we are, we are at our the sixty reviews we wanted to give away the Javante Williams jersey, and we're going to do that next week when Bruning is here because I can't do more than one thing at a time. Um, so there's no way we, we get a plan for that for this week. So we'll do that again. We'll do that uh, next week. But still, go to the Apple uh, Podcast, give us a five star rate and review. We'd really appreciate it. Austin, we have one, a really nice review that someone left us last, last week. Do you want to read that one? Yeah. I, this guy gets the show. That's what that's what I said as soon as Felix showed us this one. It says, this show is like Christmas morning every Thursday morning. Moxley is really underrated at the end of the show every episode, and Felix's hate for bruning, exclamation point. Let the man win once in a blue moon, LOL. But can I can't wait until Herb Street finally comes on the show. Yeah, the funny thing is, Kirk Herbstreet is actually he, like here in the Zoom. We just haven't had time to get him on. I mean, we've got Shaq. We're, we might get to him today if we can uh, finish up with Shaq. We'll see. Well, we'll I don't know. All that, all that time up. you took up at the beginning with not understanding how the, the technology I was I talking. I was talking to him in the waiting room before you let me in, man. I, I was. He's, he's, a guy. He's, he's eager to get on, I will say. And, He's been he's so patient and we've mm-hmm. been trying to, we've been trying to work to get him in but God we, love we his soul. Get, we might get him we might we got I mean we've had Shaq on we have Alan True on we've had Alfred on I mean Kirk Herbstreit can wait his turn all right um Bruce Feldman with the Athletic has released his yearly breakout candidates uh, a list of 35 and just um some of the names of the skill position players guys that we've talked about some that we haven't and that I haven't even looked up um but Mario Williams, who I've talked about extensively, I think he's number 10 or 9 in my receiver rankings. Rashad White, Jaleel Billingsley, Zach Charbonnet at UCLA, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Tyler Batty at Missouri, Greg Bell, San Diego State, Kenneth Walker, 
Reese White at Coastal Carolina, the running back taking up taking over for CJ Maribel there. Um, Marquez Cooper at Kent State, a little joystick uh, 5'6", 180 type running back. Marshawn Lloyd, who most people are looking forward to see competing with Kevin Harris there at South Carolina. Jared Wiley at Texas. Jalen Cropper, who Austin and Colin have been all over on this show and on campus to Canton. John Stevens Jr. at Louisiana and a uh, TCU transfer who does not had much of a productive career, but 6'5", 225. So that is a name that I did not. That's uh, that's Felix's that's Felix's <laughs> type right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he hasn't been productive, so I'm going to go that's look at him. Even more, even more your type. Big yes, and unproductive. Yes. That's what Felix likes. <laughs> uh, Xavier, yeah, that sounds like, a, I was like, this sounds like Omar Manning. Um, Xavier <laughs> Weaver, UCF. Cam Davis for Washington. And then, and then, and then, and then, uh, Austin's boy Lucas Kroll from Pittsburgh that rounds out the skill position players that um, that Feldman highlighted in his article on the Athletic. Shaq, you you got some breakout candidates not listed here that you're looking forward to uh, making a name for themselves in 2021. Yeah, yeah one of the ones, uh, and I think he's on. He's from the Feldman article. It's uh, Johnny Ford uh, was listed in that uh, Feldman article too. Uh, he's, uh, he transferred to Florida Atlantic little dude. If you're not familiar with him, he is tiny. He is five, five, one seventy two. He was a, he was a three star uh, coming in, uh, to South Florida, uh, as a true freshman in 2018, he, uh, went for 787 yards on the ground, eight touchdowns, uh, 6.8 yards per carry. Uh, so he started out with a bang. Had some issues after that, right? Like he was suspended three times at USF uh, over the course of the 18 and uh, 2019 seasons. Uh, he got uh, uh, in a bit of a, a, a tiff with the coach when he left kind of midseason last year. But he was leading the team when he left in uh, in rushing all-purpose yards, rushing touchdowns. He was ranked 20th nationally in, in kick return average. So the dude was still producing again, but uh, got in a big uh, – Big argument with the coach and, and left. So there are signs that he may not be able to keep it together. But the coaches in that Feldman article were the ones who were, like, recommending these breakouts. You know what I mean? So they were saying it. I'll say this. If you watch his highlights, a couple, like at least a year ago, I was saying with some Johnny Ford highlights, you can see, like, a very poor man's uh, – Clyde Edwards-Alaire, like a very poor man, like Skid Row CEH is Johnny <laughs> Ford, right? Like that's what he is. But he, but he's got like amazing skills, like his burst, his his spin move, his jukes, his everything. He catches the ball. He used, he lined up at wide receiver for a while, and then he transferred back, transitioned back into the backfield as a running back. He is super cheap. So for short money, buy the short back. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Johnny Ford, let's go. That's my I, I love him. I like I like him for very, very short money in a C to C. He's probably not gonna go pro, but he's gonna get you some very nice production, I think, next year at Florida Atlantic. Uh, USF has a type at running back because Johnny Ford was there. And one of the guys that I really like is Brian Bate, who's even smaller than Johnny Ford is, and uh, but just as explosive. So um I, I like that call, Shaq. Austin, uh, I mean, it's going to be hard for you to pull out a player that we haven't talked about already, or maybe somebody we, we have talked about that you just want to elaborate on now. 
I mean, it was difficult. I put down two just very vanilla answers that, like, I, I'm just going to say the name and say, like, I think by this time next year, they're, like, you know, a very early first-round startup kind of guy. Zach Evans, I think the Darwin Barlow transfer out of there just indicates that he's going to get the ball more. I know Gary Patterson, I think, uh, according to the guys over at CFF site, if you guys aren't members over there, they're, they're great guys, um, said that under Gary Patterson, they haven't had a running back average more than 15 yards per carry since 2016. So they like to, to spread it around a lot, but you know they, they're down to three guys now, and, and Evans is definitely the most talented. If he gets the ball 15 times a game, I think that that's a guy you're talking about as a dangerous person next year. Uh, Jerome Ford, just I love Jerome Ford, but I'm not going to talk anymore about him. Um, but the, the guy that I think that's going to be a big breakout name, and I like, I think it's almost guaranteed to happen, is Daniel Jackson. That's a nice I was going to say that. Shit. I was going to oh. say Daniel Jackson. Well, thanks for letting me go first. Jackson, and I was going to compare him to Jermaine Burton. Um, you go but, ahead and do it, Felix. You sound like you have a better routine plan than I do, so take it away. No, I don't have anything planned. I was actually sitting here looking. I mean, I did not have anything planned, but I was like, who do I like? And I was, I'm like, yeah, it's Daniel Jackson. I don't think it's going to be Chris Ottman-Bell at Minnesota. First of all oh, – Ottman-Bell um, is the wide receiver one there. But the wide receiver two is insanely productive, productive at P.J. Flick. Yeah. And PJ Fleck has a history of developing these players. Daniel Jackson is very athletic, very explosive, and and kind of caught on as uh, later in the season as a true freshman in a in a shortened season. So yeah, Daniel Jackson is the one that I re- I really like, um, just given his athleticism. And yeah, Chris Altman Bell is the number one, but Chris Altman Bell is a is going to be a junior, right? He's going to be fourth, a junior, fourth year guy. So yeah, fourth year, a fourth year junior. I just think that Daniel Jackson's ceiling is that much higher because of his athleticism, because of him being there with PJ Fleck, who has a uh, a history of developing these types of wide receivers. And then he's got, I mean, he's six six foot, two hundred pounds, and you know he can probably get to two ten. That's like right in the wheelhouse for what you want to see in a, in a potential uh, uh, X wide receiver. So I like the, I can't believe, I can't believe you said Daniel Jackson because I was just looking through my stuff and, and uh, yeah. And I do think like, you know, uh, I have a hard time, you know, ever comparing two players stylistically guys do so much difference, uh, you know, different things differently. But I, I think that, you know, he can succeed in areas where the wide receiver two over the past couple of years, there has traditionally succeeded, you know, especially with Rashad Bateman, you know, those long developing routes, working downfield on the boundary. And then if, if it's not that, it's like little possession stuff. I think he can do both of those things uh, fairly well. So, I, yeah, I think he's almost a guarantee to do well this year. He goes super late in C2C drafts. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably not draftable in a Debbie draft unless you're just like have a ton of picks and you're feeling real ballsy. Um, I, I don't know if I take him in a Debbie league, but if you don't take him this year – it might be too late. Like he might be a second or third round guy or whatever next year. I think I'd be remiss if I not just mentioned some of the names that at least that I've thrown out there, Troy O'Meary, Jake Hayner, um, Chris Smith are, are names that, that I will continue to kind of pound, pound the table for uh, as we, and it, I don't even know if we can call Carson strong a, a breakout and he's, he's already broke out. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right, that is our break. Anybody, any other names that we want to throw out there before we uh, bring? Yeah, ahead, yeah. I just, uh, I want to just pound the table one final time for a guy that I have been thinking was going to pop year after year, and it's Kevin Austin. I think he still has a chance. Like I, I you know, they, uh, Brian Kelly said, 
they finally got the surgery right. They grafted that football, and he and he feels like it's going to finally take and be okay this year. I mean, he was a top 100 recruit for them. If you're in a startup, you're going to be able to get him cheap because he's very off the radar. You can get him for short money, and he's a guy for a very late draft pick for you that has immense talent. And, I mean, the way they've talked about him and expected him to start and be a monster last year coming on for them before he got injured again – I mean, he's like a. He, he, it feels like some urban legend at Notre Dame. Like he's like this like wide receiver Kaiser Soze that everyone just keeps <laughs> hearing about, but like nobody ever sees him actually do anything. You know what I mean? But if he have, if he can be healthy, like they think he's gonna, this could be the year. Like you could get someone very late in a draft who's just off the radar. That's kind of one of the things I like to look for is those guys who have kind of. They've got it, but they've just something along the path, whether it's a suspension here and there or, you know, an injury or whatever, that people have kind of forgotten about them, especially in the startup. You can take advantage of that and get those dudes late. And he's a guy who's got potentially the ability to come out and be uh, uh, get on an NFL radar with a late draft pick in a C2C. If you can get him, I think he's a, he's a good bet for, uh, for a cheap price. And just to toss – just to toss out, his ADP right now is uh, 343 overall. Or, uh, sorry, his his average ADP is 343. He's like the 440th ranked player in our ADP just because there's a lot of you know clustering there. Uh, but that's like a 29th round in a 12-team you know standard size league. So Easy money. Yes, very, 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 very late. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Shaq, you're, you're one of those guys who's kind enough to post your picks uh, – uh, on your Twitter page, and I remember last year you talking about about Kevin Austin and me going to take a look at him after you had hmm. posted. Like this was a name I didn't recognize. Um, another name I want to throw out there, and I've talked about this guy too, is Xavier Betts out of Nebraska. Nebraska is not a team that passes the ball a lot, but Xavier hmm. Betts has the he's a long, lanky, tall, athletic wide receiver. Hmm. Uh, it, the problem is, is that he he may be buried on the depth chart, and quite frankly, I don't understand how that's possible. Um, even at Nebraska, but they've got they've got they've had a transfer last year who didn't who was injured and is now playing, and then they have another transfer who appeared to be starting over him. But Xavier Betts is a guy that I'm really intrigued by. All right, Chris Moxley, we were pretty good today, right? Uh, all clean, all good. What do you got for us? <laughs> yeah, this was like an episode of Beyond Scared Straight, where the kid isn't a complete lunatic at the end. Um, it's not surprising, I guess, after I railed into y'all last week after your piss poor accuracy. So A plus turnaround all around. I think y'all did a good job. Um, I will say though, despite Felix, you texting me all week asking me, you know, don't make mistakes, bribing me, you know, don't point out any errors I make, make me look good, and and really throwing money at me all week. I'd be a disservice if I didn't uh, point out that you fumbled the intro solidly and. That is just a gold star for brooding right off the bat. Um, by virtue of just not being here, he uh, he was really the star of the show. But he better be careful because Shaq did a Shaq did a good job come for his uh, his role this week. His uh, analogies were were top end. But no, y'all did a good job. Get out of here! Get out! I don't know who asked this guy. Who gets this guy out of here? Get, Chris is get great. out of here. Chris get is great. Here. Felix doesn't, Felix doesn't know how to kick him out. Felix like, oh, 
All right. Uh, you can check out all of the can- uh, the content around the Campus to Canton family. You can find this podcast on the Campus to Canton channel along with Canton Bound, Campus Life, Fantasy Roundtable, and Why Wait Till Sunday. But I, I'm sorry, Kurt. We're going to have to bump you to next week. We ran out of time. We will get you rescheduled soon. For Brian Chacochis and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.